the stanzas on love. We talked a little bit about evil, and most of you can figure out more as you analyse honestly the way your minds work and the way your emotions work, the way the two work together. What we in Sanskrit is called karma manas. Karma is desire and manas is mind, desire mind, the most common attribute of humanity. The beautiful thing about this second ray, it's the ray of love wisdom. It's a little bit easier to comprehend, therefore, than the first ray of, of will or power. Though all that have gone the dark brotherhood way, they certainly know the way of will or power. That is their methodology of attacking all human beings or life on this planet. That's the way they go against the force of evolution, the development of will. We have to develop to overcome them. They overcome our base tendencies, our base desire nature and so forth. But love, it's the energy, the ray line that governs our solar evolution. This whole solar system is a sun in incarnation, S-O-N in this particular case. All of the rays that we know of are sub-rays of the second ray of love wisdom. And understand it's a dual ray, love and wisdom. For the first portion of human evolution, it's the love principle that first rayed down. It produced the bhakti religions, the devotional religions. For instance, Krishna being the Christ principle or the Christ incarnate in that Hindu religion where he gave us the beautiful bhakti teachings in the Bhagavad Gita. The Christ himself, incarnating through Jesus, and thus we get Jesus Christ. The infancy of religion is this development of devotion and high aspiration and idealism to noble ideals, where the mind is not fully developed, but devotion is. So, devotion to the concept of the gods. In ancient Greek mythology and the ancient Babylonian and the ancient Egyptian and so forth, wherever you get it, there you have high devotion to concepts that relate to divinity. But it's childlike because the Wisdom aspect has not yet been fully developed. Why? Because it necessitates the development of mind, the concrete mind of scientific materialism, in order to properly unite with love to produce wisdom. And this is an epoch that humanity is still going through. Scientific materialism in order to understand the nature of phenomena, in all of its detail. And from that basis then, you can add it to devotion, add it to high idealism, to produce wisdom. Wisdom necessitates knowledge of things and prevision. It's not just an accumulation of knowledgeable bits. That's the Dark Brotherhood methodology. It's to see how those knowledgeable bits 
add up and produce an outcome that is beneficent in the long run to the individual and to the group of which the individual is a part because wisdom only sees that group evolution because they know, the wise one knows that separative thinking where you cut yourself off from the rest of the universe to produce your own little separative power play your empire of selfishness is destructive in every which way you look at it that is what rules this present planet and therefore we have wars and rumours of wars all of the sickness and madness that you see on this planet today based on fiat money and what it can buy for everyone else and the amount of resources that people can take from the planet in order to build their empires of opulence and luxury. That is madness to a wise one. It's destructive in its intent. Better to share resources. You see, the proper expression of the right utilisation of the resources of this planet so that the greater good can be produced from it. You can see the little bits of knowledge has a proper sequence of pre-visioning to produce a positive outcome most beneficent. Inevitably, this produces the yoga path of the Hindus and then the Buddhas to produce liberation from everything that is form, including the form of your mind. The mind itself becomes liberated. So love-wisdom is this dual ray line. And we're now, this is humanity as a whole, developing the wisdom part of it. Even though in the Old Testament, the book of Ecclesiastes says, wisdom is the principal thing, therefore get wisdom. It was the whole leitmotiv of the ancient Judaic religion. Though you can see still this getting of wisdom is the most difficult thing for them to do. So DK here on page 66 of the Esoteric Psychology Volume 1 gives some of the, the names of the Ray Lord which convey his purpose. This is the second Ray Lord. And he starts off with the phrase the display of glory. This is the 2-1 ray energy. 2-1 glory. How does glory manifest? It manifests when the dark brotherhood is defeated. Then you have the glorious radiance of the second ray. It's the sun-like luminosity of a sun that is conquering dark space the dark space of mind. It displays it as a luminous light and therefore as radiance. The natural state of mind which is equated with enlightenment in Buddhism is simply called radiant, illumined. It's this display of glory of the mind. There's not a skerrick of darkness there. Not one thought that is selfish, separative, 
prideful, bigoted, just light and luminous and radiant. Glory. That is what you're evolving towards as you start to defeat the darkness within. Every atom of substance becomes a radiant sun in the end. Everything is to produce a body of light. What the Christians call the light of the world when they speak of the Christ. You will see that properly or understand this properly when you understand yoga philosophy and we talk of the rising of Kundalini fire. Fire that consumes and fire that transmutes. Fire that burns substance. Fire that liberates the life, the inherent life within every atom. At the fourth initiation, one can just stand in this transfiguration body, whereas, for instance, Apollonius Tyana could be sitting here one minute and be in another part of the world the next minute because the form no longer offers the resistance to space. The 2-1 energy is that which has overcome completely any skerrick of darkness. It's the will and love united to transform substance into light. The display of glory, the glory of accomplishment, the glory of the hierarchy of light and love, the glory of Shambhala, the glory, as I said, of a radiance. The second ray line, if you want the 2-2 sub-ray, is described here as the Lord of eternal love. The concept of eternal means over and over again. It reverberates love through cycle after cycle for eternities. There's an occult phrase that we use the term seven eternities, which means seven cycles of mastery of substance if you want seven different planes of perception to transmute, to transform into love. The law of eternal love, therefore, means that energy that overcomes the durations of time. However the cycles of time manifest, love overcomes them. To you have the various different forms of time. Yes, um, you have your little seconds and minutes and hours of your daylight di- diurnal time of day and night and then your seasonal time. But then you have cosmic time. Also the time that relates to the evolution of a whole cosmos, planetary systems that goes through their own form of time. Time that is reckoned on this earth is completely different than time that would be reckoned on Mars and so forth. Time itself is only a concept that relates to being incarnate in a form such as what we have, our bodies of manifestation. When you actually leave your bodies, then you enter into a timeless zone because there's no day and night to relate to. No moon cycling around the earth. There's continuous sunlight. 
the astral light. So you see that the second sub-ray is that which conquers time with love. It's eternal. It reaches out to the far reaches of space. In other words, wherever there is a thing called space, there is this energy, and it is beyond that. Wherever there is form, an incarnate being, whether it's of a cosmos or whether it's a human being, this energy is beyond that. It encompasses and has transcended the cycles of time associated with the evolution of that particular type of form. The third subray of the second ray is, in other words, the two-three type of energy. We're going from above down. In other words, we're looking at the way that the love principle manifests in the solar system, manifests through the planes of perception in order to encompass form as we understand it. It is called the cosmic magnet. What is a magnet? Well, you know, they've got two poles to it, a north and a south pole, and the difference between a magnetic substance, for instance, a piece of steel that's not magnetic, and a magnetic substance is that in a non-magnetic substance, all the little north-south poles are scattered, and so they cancel each other out and produce a, a null effect, whereas in a magnet, the north-south poles are all aligned, so then they produce a force field around them, which you can see easily with iron filings on a piece of paper with the magnet underneath. So that radiatory attractive force is the energy of love, or the third subray of it. It attracts to it all polar opposites to unite them into a non-dual state, a unity. This is... Technically, the symbolism of sex, which you see in the Buddhist art of the male-female deity. The non-dual consciousness is what they're talking about. Neither female nor male, both qualities fused into one. But it has this hermaphroditic quality where there's a north and south pole, or positive and negative if you want. So that is this concept of magnet. Now, wherever there is an entity that is alive, an entity that is active, manifesting, there's a magnet. Or there is generated a magnetic field. For instance, the Earth itself has a magnetic field. It's got a magnetic north and south pole. It's different to to the north-south pole that's the geometric one. Because the planet itself is alive. The planet is full of vital living organisms. When a planet is dead and the internal motions of the planet no longer generate a magnetic field, we have plate tectonics. The whole crust of the Earth is sitting on a magma that is moving that generates a field. I won't go too much into the way science sort of sees the generation of our north-south pole, but what I want to point out is that you yourselves are magnets. You have a base of spine centre and you have a head lotus. You have other chakras that are awakened and attracts to it different states of consciousness, different entities. It can be dark brotherhood entities, it can be uh, beings of light. There's a polarity 
with the human kingdom as a whole. They are masculine and the Deva kingdom are feminine. There's a north-south alignment. This whole concept of energy field, what some books have called the odic force, and they have all sorts of different terminologies for this type of energy field that you emanate. It's quite easy seen by clairvoyance. The Curlian photography can even photograph it. Right? It's this energy field that the third subray is dealing with. It's the attractive force that works to produce the polar opposite and merge with it into unity. It therefore necessitates the concept of substance, the concept of something other already out there. From our philosophy, we're talking about a diva kingdom that has already established form, and then the love principle comes to attract other forms to it. Energy, energy fields, attractive force. I don't know if I can give it a better term than that, and all of you know the way magnets work as, a, as an attractive force. That is what we are talking about with the second ray. For instance, in our local cosmos, in our galaxy, there's the great attractor, as the cosmologists call it, In other words, the very centre of the galaxy in the constellation of Sagittarius, there you have what they call the Great Attractor, and it's attracting to it all the substance of the galaxy. And then you fall forward, you get closer to it, you have a very, very luminous sphere of light as there are lots lots of suns very close together in that particular area of space whereas we're on part of the outer spiral arm swirling around it. That's the cosmic magnet. There's negative, positive polarity. The nucleus of an atom and the electrons spinning around it. The same concept. It holds it all together. It holds the entire world sphere, the entire cosmos into balance through attractive forces and we get the concept of gravity itself force equals F1 F2 over distance squared that's the formula force of gravity cosmic magnet so from this then you get the concept of sex the instinct to interrelate with what you see as a polar opposite the fourth subray is the giver of wisdom. This is the fourth ray of the Buddha. And here we're talking about the whole energy field of a logos, your nadi system, and the chakras, the flowers that exist within that nadi system, and the way that they unfold in time and space. And this fourth sub-ray of the second ray integrates the consciousness aspect of all these various flowers and how they interrelate. This um, concept of chakras and consciousness, 
or chakras as stores of consciousness and consciousness of different qualities and types all integrated into one body, one manifest body of expression which we call the chakra system or the nadi system that is integrated and held into form by this particular ray the fourth sub-ray of the second ray it produces the floral display of this whole universe and you look out there in our springtime with all the myriads of flowers out there and um, you can only get joy from it it's the consciousness of the divas manifesting outwards in this way to teach you, to show you something of, of the fruits that they bear I've talked about wisdom before or early on and that wisdom is not just love itself but is something that has been evolved via mind it necessitates the development of mind first in order for the chakras to unfold the whole purpose for the existence of chakras is so that sentience at first and then later consciousness can develop and interrelate in time and space So the whole process that produces evolution via means of chakras is this sub-ray, the 2-4. If you can think of the sum of the body of manifestation of any form and how it's all integrated into unity so that a S-O-N or S-U-N can appear and evolve in time and space. From inculcate atomic substance to organized form that we call chakras and then the evolution of those chakras into the grand one that is your thousand petal lotus at the top of the head there we have the story from the four petals at the base of the spine through to the thousand at the head or thousand and fifty six we have the manifestation of different types of colorings different qualifications and you can also generate the greys and the blacks and the browns with these chakras as well different consciousness states and each chakra therefore has its own nectar its perfume its sound and its coloration line and form when you add the mind to the second ray the pure love aspect then you get down to the quality that DK here calls the radiance in the form. Remember, I was talking about display of glory, the first, uh, the two one, or the the first subray, as I was also relating it to radiance. But the radiance comes from the illumination of the mind, the mind that conquers space, the mind that is the basis to the development of consciousness. The form exists, and out of the form, via the evolution of chakras, comes consciousness. Consciousness, before it can manifest, you must develop mind, intelligence. Intelligence by means of the five senses. So we've gone down to the appearance of what I call in my books and DK, I think, may have mentioned it. Oh, well, I think it originally came from Blavatsky, man plant. 
the Sanskrit term saptaprana, uh, the seven-leafed man plant. That's one way of thinking of yourselves, of what you really are, man plants or woman plants. <laughs> You're cosmically plants grown in the soil of the cosmic dense physical plane. What is the soil of the cosmic dense physical? That's what we call mind, the mental plane. And as the monad send its roots to the soil via the soul, the appearance of the flower on the mental or higher mental plane, the whole purpose is to convert that soil into consciousness. So the mind is inherent. That's black substance of the originating cosmic mind or cosmic dust. And the flowers exist in order to take in the substance, the nutrients from it, and convert it into consciousness. And as consciousness develops, it becomes radiant, luminescent. So this is the fifth sub-ray of the second ray, the two-five, the luminescent, the radiant mind. And you can see that it has integrated all of the inherent separative particles of mind, of the concrete mind of intelligence, into unity. And has transcended the natural separative attributes of those particles and turned them into a unifying force field that is the sun, radiance. Two five, And here you have what science is really all about. The analysis, the careful analysis of the nature of substance so that it can be turned into luminosity. The sixth subray is called the master builder. This is an energy force that takes the building blocks of nature, whether it's elements of mind and the watery elements of, of the emotions, and builds the structures of civilization with it, if you wish, the houses that you reside in, the forms that you've incarnated into. It makes a coherent form whereby the consciousness principle can evolve and develop higher consciousness attributes. Awaken to love. It's therefore something like the potter with his clay. The, the clay is the substance and the energy of the second ray, or the 2-6 energy, moulds that substance into a form that has intrinsic use. It's dried in the sun or in a kiln and it becomes a beaker or a pot or something that is valuable, that contains a liquid, that contains consciousness. and becomes the water bearer, eventually pouring out the consciousness of life for the salvation of many. The master builder. The seventh sub-ray of the second ray as we're going from above down is called here the conferrer of names. If you're aware of the book of Genesis, something around the fourth day, I'm not too sure exactly now, the atom of clay, and we just talked about this, had to name 
learnt to name names. He gave names to all of the things in the Garden of Eden. This is a tree, this is a deer. So the seventh ray particularizes the forms into ideas, into images that are useful for the development of consciousness. It produces language whereby you can communicate with others and develop wisdom, produce a power base of knowledge. We're talking technically here with the working with the Deva Kingdom, with all of the myriad forms that the Deva Kingdom have produced. The consciousness principle articulates them into the ideas of what they are. And thus you get the evolution of civilization. Once you start to articulate names and start to record those things, you get the invention of writing, you get the invention of civilization that necessitates writing so that people can communicate abstract ideas. The forms are built by the divas. That which gives them names, it gives them coherent shape, if you wish, is the secondary nature of the mind itself. So once we've developed the civilization and human beings begin to master themselves, they go through the process of mastering and the awakening of consciousness therein, the development of higher religion and then yoga meditation, then we start with the next portion of this listing. The next six titles are called The Great Geometrician, The One Who Hides the Life, The Cosmic Mystery, The Lightbringer, The Son of God Incarnate, Cosmic Christ. Now these particular six statements here have got to do with the way of ascent. So the seventh subray on the way of ascent is the Great Geometrician, or the Grand Geometrician. I may call it. And you can see this is a seventh sub right? It's a two seven energy. God geometrizes. That is the adage, the Pythagorean adage and the nature of wisdom. And so what the two seven ray line does is see the inherent patternings the geometry of space, the inherent patterns of the ordering of being, and they start to develop the beautiful structures of civilization, the cathedrals, the churches, the mosques, the um, city planning, the town ordinance, all those wonderful buildings, the arches, all of these things in civilization that produce beauty and harmony there we have the two seven energy it necessitates therefore civilized conscious life the bringing down of high wisdom in order to produce the structure in civilization you saw so earlier as I said the seventh ray the two seven on the way down is a conferral of names we went to the garden of Eden for that <laughs> right the early stage of human evolution. But when you go to the great geometrician, you're going into advanced civilization, advanced states of consciousness. 
and we're talking about, therefore, the, math, the development of maths and science, and then high esoteric wisdom to understand the fabric of space. And this is only done in the meditation mind. There's no six subray in this listing. No two six energy here because on the upward arc the astral plane is defeated. The emotions don't exist. This is what all of you are trying to do. Eliminate emotional thinking. That's your great enemy, your nemesis. The nemesis of love. The emotions think only in terms of themselves, of itself. I, me, mine in relationship to that. But I want. That's the emotions. That's not love. People mistake this as love. I want for me a partner. No, that's not love. Love is. The opposite of that, is it not? It's dispassionate and it's giving. And it's go of those things, those attachments. Because that's the only way it can give. Therefore, there's no six subray here. We go from the 2-7, therefore, to the 2-5. The fifth subray on the way, path of ascension now, and the development of enlightenment, the development of wisdom, is the one who hides the life. What is it that hides the life? It's the mind that veils it. It's the one that produces the veil of the monad. The life here is monadic perception. What is it meant by this? Is that when on the path of wisdom you start to talk about love, you you develop the wisdom, you're educating humanity, you use words, you use the mind, you use intelligence. And while you're using the body of the mind, it hides or veils the life. It hides or veils the monad itself. The life itself is beyond words, beyond concepts. In the Buddhist term, it's called sunyata, the void. And therefore, the fifth subray of the second veils the void by speaking about the polemics of what the void is, what it is not, and all of those dialectics of Buddhism and in modern Western philosophy. The life is there, but it is discussed and therefore hidden. The fourth subray on the path of ascent is called the cosmic mystery. We now go on to the buddhic plane, the plane of Shunyata, and that is the mystery. What is it? What is cosmos? What is cosmic consciousness? What is it that is beyond the mind? That is the nature of the second ray to reveal. And so it's the mystery. The, the source of all the mystery religions. How to awaken to that which is beyond form, beyond mind, beyond consciousness itself. The cosmic mystery. Then, in the third subray, as on the path of ascent, now we've gone to the we're going to the atomic plane, 
the light bringer because here the substance this is all very abstract for all of you now because of this concept of bodhicitta the substance of the illumined mind so we're going back to the illumination of mind but now you're the bringer of this illumination to all time and space to all sentient beings you have resolved karma you've transmogrified substance it's become a body of light this level of what the Buddhists call the Dharmakaya Dharma means the truth, the teaching and the body of the teaching which is the body of light, the light bringer the Dharmakaya level of expression of all knowledge, all wisdom the reveal of whatever is the Buddha nature the second subray. now we're going to the planet Anupadaka where the monad resides simply is the son of God incarnate it is the monad itself it is the sun principle the love principle the, the principle that unites all into a unity incarnate this is attained at the sixth initiation the light bringer is a fifth degree initiate one who is um, absorbed in the cosmic mystery is a fourth degree initiate the one who hides the life is a third degree initiate and uh, the great geometrician is the first to the third the intelligentsia upwards and then the first subray of the second ray is simply called the cosmic Christ you reveal cosmos to humanity whatever that really means to you the Christ for our planet the planetary Christ the blue Christ the Christ of love the Christ of absolute sacrificial love the one who said lo I'll be with you always even unto the end of this age even unto the end of this earth he'll always be incarnate serving humanity total sacrificial service not for himself, but for the benefit of all. Cosmic Christ. The first and the second ray always work together. And therefore, what the first ray liberates is what the second ray builds with. For instance, it builds the radiance. So the form of the concrete mind is shattered. First ray, the radiance that comes out, which is the wisdom, second ray. The two uh, brothers here, they work together. 